0: The RAW Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the RAW Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. We're here for another great week of rugby chat. Thanks to the RAW.com today you, Australia's biggest sporting debate, and your home of the biggest and best rugby discussion kicking around. Great to see so many of you sharing your rugby stories and memories all in the the name of a day in Union last week. It's a really nice initiative to help remind us what's great about our great game. Uh, And remember, if there's a question or an issue or anything you want us to tackle, just leave us a comment under the new episode page every Wednesday on The Raw and hit us up on the socials or wherever you get your podcasts as well. Join me again this week uh, with no trips and no significant budget blowing to speak of. It's a rugby wordsmith and observer from afar, Harry Jones. How are you, mate?
1: How's it, Brett? I want to go philosophical with you today.
0: Right, I Here's something. I'm
1: going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it on you. There are many trees in the forest, they are all different. None of them are the same, yet they are all beautiful. <laughs> actually, that came to mind because our boss, Tony, the mysterious Tony, he uh, yeah. directs everything we do and even implants words into us. Mm. He, he sent pictures of to us this, this week and it bothered me. He was in a place that had no trees. It was desolate. It looked like he mm. had been banished in the northern part of the Korean Peninsula or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. the... Uh... The, uh, the, the the part of the peninsula we don't talk about uh, well this uh, there has been plenty to talk about another big week of Super Rugby Pacific in which we saw Moana Pacifica register their maiden win and in the first instance of Golden Point for the season tries to find a way through oh, that is good
1: And
0: Maybe
2: it's a break. big turnover for Moana Pacifica oh, they survived the raid and now they'll look to turn the hurricanes around.
0: A wild weekend of Super Rugby Pacific saw all six games played, importantly, and with 351 points scored, 47 tries scored, as well as three red cards, two of them in successive nights that have provided no end of headlines and discussions ever since. And someone who's responsible for some of those headlines is Nine News reporter and Stan Sports resident Queenslander, Michael Atkinson. G'day, mate. How are you?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. I've been no, watching no it far, so it's a bit of an honour to be on it. No problems at all,
0: and we're going to get on to the cards very shortly. Um, we're going to get on to a bit of Reds Brumbies rivalry, and it's worth noting that both ADCO and I are currently sporting jerseys of which I'll pop a pop a uh, there it is. We'll pop a picture up on on the socials a after after the event. Um, but we'll start with where we start every weekend, Michael. What stood out for you on the weekend?
2: Uh, it, I think it'd have to be the Moana win, to be honest. I was mm-hmm. sort of not watching it in full because I was at work at the time and had Stan stand going on one of my computers on the desk in the newsroom and um, just sort of was noticing score lines and thinking, you know, poor Moana, they look like they're putting up a good fight, but I kind of did think like, oh, they're in for another loss. And then... Someone messaged me and went, best game I've seen in a long time. And I had to go back and like, scramble back. It was like, what happened? What happened? But just the way it ended to, you know, to, to affect the turnover, what was it, yeah. 70, 80 metres from, yeah. from the try line and then and then to execute in one play a match-winning um, move like that. Like That's the sort of stuff you run around in your backyard talking about, um, commentating yourself. So, you know, that was pretty cool to see that. And it's good to yeah. see them. The Moana Pacifica side being competitive because I think everyone's loving the inclusion of them and Fiji and Drua. To see them being successful is fantastic.
0: Yeah, and it means that they've they've won uh, in their third game as well, which is in line with yeah. what the Andrew did as well, Harry. Which it's just, it's just, it's great to see. I think we expected the Andrew to be pretty good from the start, but there was a few concerns about Moana Pacifica. Um, they. They went, they ran, they ran the blues close on Tuesday night as well. They went down 32-19 in the end in, in another makeup game there in New Zealand. But that was, you know, 1912 with a try and disallowed. It could have been could have been anything. So, you know, they're they're showing plenty, aren't they?
1: Yeah, and, and they play such ball in hand. It's like you. I mean, you mm-hmm. have the same. You have the same rugby ball in your hand right now as last week. So mm-hmm. I think it's the longest carry in Super Rugby history. But uh, <laughs> no, more yeah. Pacifica. The, the games they play are the most physical Super Rugby matches that have ever been played since the South African teams left. Uh, they're smacking <laughs> boys. Uh, the commentators <laughs> sound genuinely shocked. I think it's. Uh, but it's it's you know fair play hazardous. Uh, I'll tell you, the, the guy that stood out was uh, Henry Tomei Stowers for yeah. Moana Pacifica. I've never seen a guy play a better match than this. And one match, you can put it on his wall, frame it, uh, record it, show it to his grandkids. Uh, also praise should go to the Hurricanes for um, removing Jordy Barrett so quickly with a head knock. It's mm. that's, the way, that's the way to take care of your players. He's the best player, he's the most influential. They have every reason to keep him on anyway. Um, but they removed him, and which is great. I mean, look at his brother suffering from coming to uh, coming back too soon sometimes. Yeah, um, and particularly yeah, since
0: another brother of theirs was forced into retirement, Kane was was forced into retirement with concussion issues. So it's oh, I didn't, something I didn't it would know be, that would be, yeah. yeah it, he he would predate. He's the older brother, I think. Um, our New Zealand listeners will correct this, no doubt. But you're right; they they acted quick, smart, and we want to see more of that for reasons that we will. Get into very shortly, no doubt. What else? Um, what else stood out for you, Harry? You, what else do you like?
1: Yeah, I mean, so a lot of this is belief. And if you, uh, you're the expansion team, you come in and you can win in your third game, you have belief for the rest of the season. You, that's so critical. Instead mm. of uh, you know going through eight, nine matches, at some point you kind of hang your head. Now both of those teams are looking really smart. Um, mm. Your one of your boys, Nick Frost, took a look at him. Um, A while back on the roar I did a series of chukka analyses where I took each lock, workhorse lock, and I just divided the game into eight. And I just said, what every involvement you did, positive, neutral or negative, and neutral is just, you know, a good play. And I looked at Nick Frost and uh, I don't know, to me, he's the second coming of Rob Simmons.
0: (laughs) There's a compliment but, in there somewhere, I'm sure there's a Rob Simmons
2: played over a hundred tests for the lobby, so maybe that's the compliment in there. Yeah, yeah. No. And a Queenslander, like I'm like, you know what? It's, it's I like Rob Simmons, but I knew exactly what Harry was saying. That's <laughs> <laughs> like I'm it's throwing a, the ball
1: into a into a loose <laughs> I see both of your jerseys, and I'm like, Rob Simmons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it could only have been better if at that point in time you pulled on a New South Wales jersey yourself. <laughs> but I I do I do like the analogy because because um, Rob Simmons' work rate was chronically underrated and Nick Frost has absolutely taken his game to, to new levels this year. He's, he's becoming that senior player that he promised to be back in his under-19, under-20s days when he was scoring tries from 60 metres out. He's, his work around the field is great. His scrummaging is pretty good. His set pieces, his line-out particularly, is, is, is exceptional. Um, but he's doing plenty around the field, and it's been, it's been great to see, no doubt about it. Um, we need to get on to the big talking point, and I've just loosely penciled it down as house of cards because that's what the weekend was. Tom Banks obviously got his red card for the head-to-head contact, trying to prevent Tony Pulu scoring a try in the corner, which resulted in a penalty try. Dane Zander from the Reds. Uh, copped, uh, cop one for a shoulder to Ruan Smith's head in Brisbane. Uh, Xander out for three weeks, less one week if he applies to complete the head contact coaching intervention course. But Banks off with a warning. The foul play review committee found that it didn't reach the red card threshold. Uh, and then Nippo Lolala in the, uh, the Blues Moana Pacifica game uh, was, was sent off for, for a high car, a high shot on Tuesday night as well. Michael, well, let's let's start with Dane Zanders, Michael, because that looked pretty clear to me. I don't think there's been a lot of argument about his three weeks. That looked like a cut and dry, um, you yeah. know, high shot, six weeks down to three as per judiciary
2: standards these days. Yeah, that's it. And you can almost like cut and paste that line, can't you? Six yeah. weeks down to three. Yeah, I was sitting sideline of that game. And um, Brett, you know that I probably... Uh, teeter on the line of more like, that's not a card type um, <laughs> approach to rugby. Um, and like I've had to accept that that's the way the game's going on more than one occasion. But even I looked at that and went, mm. Dane's in trouble. And I, mm. I think that because, well, A, there was clear shoulder on head, um, clear, clear contact, like no question about that. Mm. And he mm. was in a position to make a better tackle, as in he was yeah. coming forward and even from the side towards Ruan where he could have got himself lower. Uh, yeah. And I don't think it was malicious. He and Ruan are actually really good friends. And I think he probably was trying to whack a good mate of his.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, but he had time to get lower. There was space to get lower. And when I looked at it, I was just like, that's going to be a red card and that's the that's yeah. acceptable. That's, and- I just thought, yeah, that's what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, and Harry, he was the second man in. So, uh, yeah, second man in exactly. going in that that high is always a recipe for danger.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I know, you I know, was... when you're trying to whack a bloke, you lead with your shoulder a little bit, and yeah. that's what he did, and he got it completely wrong, and he he's paid the price, and and so he should. Like, yeah. there's people sort of trying to argue that maybe he bounced off Harry's arm. Yeah, but I, a, I don't... don't see that. But B, no. like, that's your responsibility to to avoid that. I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think. Harry, that actually helps the case. Bouncing off an arm yeah. just proves that you're aiming too mm-hmm. high, doesn't it?
1: No, yeah. I, our, sport, our sport's always been a body height sport. You know, it's mm-hmm. really when you look at every discipline, core, it's that is something you have control over. So the people saying this is something new and different, it's so horrible. I mean, yeah, the, the, the framework has different words in it, but it comes back to what you were taught when you were a little guy playing barefoot rugby you've got to hit the zone. I mean, there's, yeah. there's plenty of room there. And and so in this desire to have dominant tackles and smash tackles and choke tackles, we come too high and, and we just got to go back to roots, which is hit them right in here, hit them in the armpits, even the yeah. shaved ones.
0: I, I mean, there would be... <laughs> was, was, I can't unsee the Highlanders logo now after you've brought that up last week. I, I cannot My, unsee Michael,
1: that. I'm an investigator reporter and I found that, <laughs> that, that the Highlanders yeah. have a shaved armpit logo, which I think is not very scary. I'm just looking
2: <laughs> at that now. That you've um, absolutely blown me away.
1: There you and go. what you see it the might,
2: Chiefs the Chiefs handle it by actually they have the guy like this and he actually
1: yeah. covers his armpit. Yeah. I think that's smart.
2: Yeah. 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 Even yeah. even he's rather noticeably hairless as well. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. Look, I'm going
0: gonna, I'm gonna to admit Thank straight you. out, when when we first sat down back in February to, to think about a rugby podcast, never at any point did I imagine that we would be having discussions in successive weeks about the lack of <laughs> hair on Logo Man. Hairy man. man. Never, ever. <laughs> and, it, and it was brought up by you, the hairy
2: man. Breaking news, ground.
0: Yeah, look, the the Tom Bagg situation, the the, the tackle on Tony Pulu was an interesting one. I'm going to very deliberately read out the wording from Foul Play Review Committee Chairman uh, Michael Herron in his ruling. He said, having conducted a detailed review of all the available evidence, including all camera angles and additional evidence, including from submissions from the player, the Foul Play Review Committee dismissed the red card and instead issued a warning. With respect to sanction, the foul play review committee found the act of foul play did not breach the red card threshold due to mitigating factors. The foul play review committee found that initial contact was shoulder to shoulder. There was an effort to wrap in the tackle, and the tackled player contributed to the contact with a sudden and late change in direction. The committee did believe that the offence was close to the red card threshold, and as a result, uh, issued a warning, which is the equivalent of a yellow card. The player is therefore uh, free to resume playing. This is definitely the one, Harry, that has caught everyone off guard because I think if there was surprise at the red card on the night, I think the expectation was that this might be the point where judiciaries actually start upholding the goals and the ambitions of the game to try and send messages about lowering tackle heights and it didn't happen.
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, they say bad facts make bad law. You, sometimes you pick the wrong set of facts and you can work yourself into a, into a real pickle. I mean, here you have a guy running from very far out. He, he had as much time to change his mind as Will Smith did at the Oscars, you know? So he's got plenty <laughs> of time. He has control. The carrier did have his left ribs open. So I forget, it was a muirhead that was, was fooling with him on this yeah. side, which made the guy come open. And so actually from about maybe six or seven yards out, Tom Banks has the target, which is left ribs, left hip. I don't know why he ran header and fire. Just, you know, yes, it's true that shoulder to shoulder, but it was very good odds that his face would hit face. And that's what happened. Yeah. And, and hurt Tom very badly. So we feel bad for him there. And I think that's what maybe happened with the, the judiciary is they might've thought, you know, the guy cracked his face open. But I really think that's reckless. And under the framework, the process question, um, the trigger words that they have, that's exactly what it is, you know? Um, basically the, the, the degree of force, uh, the, the hmm. recklessness, the avoidability. I mean, of course this is avoidable. I heard guys say, well, what is he supposed to do? Let the try in? No way. If he goes very high or very low, the try is scored most of the time. But if he goes right at hip and rib, gets set and drives like a mall defense, I mean, really hard, as hard as he can, he has a very good shot of disturbing that guy. The boy is already off balance
0: mm. uh,
1: from from Muirhead. So I, I don't buy any of that. I think, you know, Muirhead's head was the exact height that Banks' head needed to be. And so um, I think everyone can launch into a carrier um devastatingly and still mm. safely. So
0: yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one, Michael, isn't it? Because um mm. there was straight away Jordan Patoya pulled off that fantastic try-saving tackle uh, on Saturday night in Brisbane against the Waratahs on
1: yep.
0: uh Mark was a yeah. But and yep. there were that and that was thrown up as the example of what banks should have done. But the most the the first thing I noticed about that was that it was probably seven or eight meters out whereas Banks and Pulu was inside the five-meter line, um, so so it yeah. certainly wasn't the same same sort of place. But I mean, that was it was it was an example, wasn't it? It was it, it was where it, it just, as yeah, I was. was just saying,
2: it was. I wonder, um, I wondered a little bit if um, Banks thought Pulu might go for the corner, mm-hmm. and maybe that changes his tackle height a little bit. Um, it's a terrible tackle, like just mm. technically rubbish tackle because mm-hmm. I don't think you, yep. I don't think as you are saying, Harry, I don't think you're a better chance of stopping a try being scored by hitting him up right like that. And this is,
0: no.
2: I put my hand up and say, this is coming from a former winger or fullback. He thought if you got through 14 other blokes, who am I to stop you? But <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't a great, like I, I do, I would question like, what, what are you doing? Like, what are you actually trying to stop mm. there? Um, and maybe the fact that it was a bit closer to the try line and not closer to the sideline affected his thinking. Mm. Um, I'm probably going to... In some way, I'll contradict myself somewhere here. I'm sure I will because even though I'm not that old, I have a little bit of an old way of thinking about some rugby things. But um, I have a little bit of a problem with head-on-head being like a straight red and three weeks or something like that because... Yeah. I think head on head is really accidental. And I know we're trying to discourage the tackler by, you know, enforcing penalties and um, that sort of thing. We were saying, like, well, like, we know you didn't mean to hit him high or whatever, but we need to make you rethink your tackle. I kind of am a bit like, yeah, but a head on head clash is different to, like, you just didn't drop your shoulder and you've whacked him in the head. Yeah. I have no really any other way to explain it or justify it other than, like, there's something about a head-on head clash that, to me, is not like I don't know. It's just so accidental in my yeah. mind.
1: But it's the not like seeing I can't.
2: It's... Yeah, like Zander, if I go to Xander for instance, different tackle. But Xander's kind yeah. of whack a guy and gets it wrong and and puts his shoulder in his face. Banks was there was there was, in, there was intent really there, even
0: if even if it wasn't a shoulder on the nose. There was intent there.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. but the thing that I really. That blows my mind is like, um, Harry sort of touched on there, and you did too, Brett. When you read out those words, if you go back and look at all the framework and you listen to what Angus Gardner said and everything, like yeah. they've actually followed it all, they followed it all yes. by the letter of the law. And, um, I don't know if you saw today that, um, I think he's in the UK, a lawyer by the name of Tim O'Connor, yeah, who I did. loves his rugby as well. He like paints it out clear as day, like. It's been followed perfectly and basically what the judicial panel has said is, nah, no, that's wrong. So yeah. that's is, where it's confusing.
0: Th- yeah, this is where it's, where it's interesting to me and, and we'll come on to the orange card concept in a second. Where it's interesting to me is that both Angus Gardner and the TMO and the ARs and the Foul Play Review Committee, they both followed their processes to the absolute letter they, they went through every step of the way and they reached a different conclusion. So this is a classic case of two different groups yeah. of people looking at the same thing and seeing yeah. something different. And yeah. where it's confusing is they're both right, if that makes yeah. if that makes sense. And it, it, no, and sounds, it sounds crazy to, to even think about that, but they have both followed their process. They've both reached a logical conclusion and they're both right. But we're in yeah. this situation where it's really, Harry, really, really yeah. strange, isn't it?
1: I mean, look. And overall, I'm probably a little bit like Michael, Michael the Matador. Um, but I, I, I'm, war- I'm wary of this, of the changing of the fabric of our game, which has always been very um, uh, recycling, continuous, relentless. I don't want to bog down too much on repetitive uh, analyses, slow frame of contact. Yeah. It's horrible. But now that we have it, let's be honest and use our rules. And that's where I think the judiciary did nullify pretty good work by Gus on this decision. I mean, he went through the exact thing they say you have to do. Yeah, exactly. and I, think they, I think they were wrong. And I think the real, we have no real jurisprudence. There's no real appeal. It's, not really, it's a review internal and no one says anything. So I think private equity, like we've talked about this before, but they're going to come in and say, "No, we're not doing this. We're going to simplify it." Then, so maybe the fan should look at something and go, "I know how this is going to turn out."
0: Generally speaking, Uh, as it is now, we're we're
1: waiting on Tuesday, going, "I have no idea."
0: And we've we've all we've all made we've all made cracks about the the judicial wheel of lotto because that's what it feels like sometimes. There's
2: no two ways about it. it. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Because like a week ago. Uh, we had the Teniela-Tupo um, incident, which is yeah. which is slightly different, not a tackle, but like on that night, the referee was right there and in the moment thought, no. They stopped at it, looked it at it, TMI, yeah. and went, no, nah, happy shoulder on shoulder. If there is yeah. any contact, we can't see it. And it wasn't then, even a penalty. Yeah, nothing. And then yeah. uh, a sighting commissioner goes, no, nah, red card threshold. They review it. The review gets upheld. Then they fight it, and the judicial panel goes, now wasn't red wasn't yellow maybe a penalty yeah. kick yeah yeah so it's a it's, it's, a, like it's a funny one.
0: Too. it's a really yeah. funny <laughs> one um i i on saturday night cuz cuz straight away the 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 concept of orange cards comes up dan McKellar said post match in, in answer to a question on the stand sport coverage that he would like to see an orange card for that sort of thing and where proponents of the orange card are generally talking is that that would be what is now the on, the 20 minute red card and then that a red card would be for obvious foul play, like you know, punching or gouging or you know what whatever it might be, which is then permanent, can't be replaced. I popped up a tweet uh, on Saturday night after Dane Xander was uh, was 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 being sent off, and I just said, okay, righto, for for advocates of an orange card, what is Dane Xander's tackle right there? Is it is it orange or red? And initially, if I got maybe 25 or 30 responses initially the first 15 or so were all unanimously that is red there is no question about it over yeah. the next 24 hours though there was more saying no it's probably orange It's probably orange and that's interesting to me because i absolutely put the question up there to try and get an idea of where people want to draw the line and yeah i see it i see a very different distinction between The banks tackle and the Xander tackle. I think there is certainly more intent in the latter than there is the former. Um, And and I'd be thinking orange for banks, red for Xander. But even that, it's not. It's not clear. There's people have got different views on that. Where do I think I know where you sit, Michael, on this?
2: Um, Where do you think I sit?
0: Well, I think, I think you've given us a, an idea just before that, that accidental, yeah. accidental head contact is probably part of the game and we'd like to get rid of it for sure.
2: Yeah.
0: But is it a full red card? Probably not. And that's where Dan McKellar was talking as well.
2: Yeah, well, I definitely think that um, Banks would be an orange if we had an orange. I've got to be honest, I'd probably <laughs> still even sit with Zander being an orange. Like i would happy for yeah, him to okay. be suspended as well for a week or two. Um, but like I kind of still see and it, maybe I did I just need to change my thinking. I kind of just see mm. red as like for those really malicious things, you know, and, and the game has has stamped out most of those, um hard yeah. and pun because stamp, you know, stomping used to be one of them. Yeah. But um yeah, like the red card did a great job getting rid of those. So maybe that's why I mean I need to change my thinking a little bit. Red card's gonna do mm. the same work you'd think if everyone's going to follow it right to get rid of um, tackle height. I I have an interesting um, relationship, I'll call it with like the concern being that if we don't do something about this now um, player welfare, yes, but litigation somewhere down the line, like maybe I'm going a bit too, too deep and dark here, but um, that's, that's something that fascinates me because I think there is an element of rugby that's like, You've kind of signed up for this, and I think yeah. where there's probably a bigger concern for litigation, or where I think that the um, where I think that the real problem would lie is if they if they're not treating it properly from a medical point of view. Yeah. Um, you know, like you spoke before, Harry, about how well the Hurricanes did getting Joy Barrett off the field as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. That's that's an area that really, and I think we've done a wonderful job. Um, I think rugby does it pretty well now, but that's an area that really needs to. Um, remain steadfast is like if someone gets concussed they need to be off the field straight away probably shouldn't be playing next week all of that stuff it's like the old way of thinking of like you'll be right mate get back out there Yeah, you can play next week that's where like if you're blatantly ignoring the things we sort of know now about the long term effects that's where there's an issue
0: that's the concern for sure
2: trying to completely sterilize the game on all areas of contact is obviously where it gets murky
0: yeah Harry what you're the the resident lawyer, why do you think we're not seeing the required change of behavior? And I, I saw an interesting um, tweet from Brendan Shields earlier in the week, and he put up something that I have to admit, I'd not, not I'd not considered uh, considered before. And he just said, he he just said, I wonder if finding coaches for players tackling high would shift the needle. Um, it would seem that Sans are now actively fighting these efforts. I'm a big fan of the 20 minute red card, believe that, but believe that players and coaches should cop heavy fines. Now, We've had this 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 movement away from head contact. That's been in place for several years now. We're still getting players set off. We're still getting six-week suspensions watered down to three minutes at the drop, three weeks at the drop of a hat. But do you think so? We're not seeing that change in behaviour from players. Do you think if we started hitting coaches that that would make the difference?
1: <laughs> yeah, possible. No, so I think that is the issue, right? It's coaching tips when you try to yeah. analyse what is what is dirty, what is filthy. Or it's just accidentally rough. You know, the second concussion I got was I'm running with a ball, in my head, we're guessing, and the guy puts the head the same zigzag and he puts the same yep. place as me. We're both out cold. How do you coach that away? Oh, you the answer is you don't. It's impossible, yeah. right? That's just a guess. However, there are other things that coaches advocate, which is the ball and all tackle, the two-in tackle, high low tackle, the choke, yeah. the French tackle, exactly French, how the French tackle. That's how they're coaching. But those guys are supreme athletes. And so when you're teaching someone at a club level to do that, you're going to get a lot of head knocks yeah. because you're not, you're getting someone come on the knees and the next guy's coming in because it's, it's all about dominant tackles and turnovers. So that is on the increase. Every other kind of injury in rugby, um, spinal injuries is down, down, down. But the one that's up is the tackle point because people don't want to go low because then you don't really win the tight, loose collisions where... Yeah. You're, you're running, you know, you're trying to get over the game line. I'm trying to monster you back. That's going to be high. Uh, you know, you're going to offload around me. Your hand's are going to go through the tackle if I go low. So I think it's all about that is what would on a Monday morning, the ruling from the judiciary, what would that make the coach say to his players? That's where change will happen. And yes, for litigation purposes, I think we should think of our sport more like UFC. Lots of warnings, lots of uh, involvement of doctors. Doctors pull you out, stop you, but it's a very brutally violent game. And you have to, you, you cannot sugar uh, coat that. And, um, but the key is on warnings, mitigation, instruction, make sure everyone on the field is ready to be on the field and be much more careful with people with a head knock. Don't, don't leave them out there. I mean, have a yeah. full 12 minute HIA, uh, my the, the biggest you know uh, punishment I suffered was 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 post concussion playing the next week, and I know now now I know that's why that's why I have these you know ridiculous comments, and you wonder what I'm talking about sometimes is because <laughs> they put me on the field too quickly, and I Just... think that's the that's a serious that's serious thing that
0: world rugby yeah. can
1: look at is is I, I don't think all the clubs are playing uh, by the rules on that issue. I think they push players too too quickly back into yeah. The,
0: yeah and look if you yeah yeah it's it's an interesting discussion it's one that we will almost certainly have again before the seasons out but we we do need to, to get along to, onto this weekend coming um, which includes <laughs> the next iteration of a genuinely great rivalry rugby on the roar. so guys um Oh, I was going to break this next bit up into two, two parts, but realistically, what we're looking forward to this weekend, Michael, is quite simply Red v Brumby's part two. Uh, there has been, yeah. we've discussed it numerous times, there's 40 points separates them over the last eight games. There is nothing between these two sides. And now we get a second iteration of it two weeks after the first. Um, it was a great game in Canberra uh, two weeks ago. It's going to be nothing short of that in uh, in Brisbane this weekend coming.
2: Yeah, there's some incredible statistics around this matchup in recent years. Um, I think one I saw yesterday is 14 of the last 15 games have been won by the home team, and with yep. the exception of um, with the exception of that that last home and away game in 2020, yep. up here the Reds won 27, 27-8 maybe something
0: like that. Yeah, I yep. think it
2: was. Yeah, I think or 26. Seven, I think it was. Anyway, apart from that, it's basically been like one try or one scoring um, involvement. Losing bonus
0: point every time.
2: Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, we even saw two weeks ago uh, the Reds missing a few guys because they'd had that captain's curse or anything. Like I thought (laughs) going down there, the Brumbies looking as clinical as ever as they have this year, I thought "Mm, this might be a bit of a panting. It might be a little bit of a wake-up call but for it to still be a four point difference and even, you know, the Reds were one play away from potentially winning it in the last minute as well. Like just such an incredible rivalry and it's different. I think it's the past Queensland, New South Wales. Yeah. Um, talking to Nick White in the lead up to that game, the Brumbies were good enough to let me interview him. And he was like, you know, there's no, there's no bitterness. There's no hatred. It's built on success. You know, we have respect for them. And I don't, um, I don't question that it is a res- mm. there is a respect there, but I think there's a lot of bitterness there too.
1: Like yeah. I think there's
2: a genuine when they get on the field, there's a hatred that bubbles from first whistle to last whistle, and that's part of what makes it so good.
0: Yeah, Harry, I spoke to to Dan McKellar before the first game for a, for an ABC Sport um, article I wrote, and he talk, spoke in very similar terms. It's about respect particularly there's there has actually been a lot of movement between the reds and brumbies and so it is very much about um shared success and 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 envied success i think as well because i think when the other team's been up when when one team's been up the other team's thought well hang on we're not actually that much worse so it's been really curious to see it build up over the years from afar how does it look because obviously being here on the on the on the front line, to put it that way, it's 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 going to be just one of the great games of the weekend and of the season. But from afar, how does it look to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think from outside, it's always been the the Reds and the Tars was considered the you know kind of like the Blue Bulls versus Western Province mm. Storm Stormers Bulls um, because of the cultural differences and some of the animosity between the actual people. I'm not sure that's necessarily present, but the, between the rugby teams, between Brumbies and Reds, it looks very uh, antagonistic and therefore beautiful to watch for the neutral. It's just re- really fun. It's always coming down to this play here, this play there. Um, yeah, I think it's, it seems like a home a home rivalry, though. It seems like the home team should should take the biscuits. Um, I do. I want to point out something for uh, was it Stan that's doing the presentation They had, before the the game between the Reds and Taws last weekend, they had Jed Holloway interviewed as he was stretching in the rain. Uh, He he is now the Jennifer Beal of Super Rugby, Australian Super Rugby. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he was was doing slow motion with the water gushing down. And the the commentator (laughs) said to him in an amazing insight, she said, uh, it looks wet there.
2: (laughs) Okay, this is beautiful. Yeah. Look, in, in case, Harry, you're um, questioning whether or not it was wet because of that um, astounding analysis, I was standing in the middle of the field and it was wet. It was very wet. I haven't seen rain like that come out of nowhere. It was ridiculous.
0: You still had Michael. wet shoulders at halftime, Michael.
2: Yeah, it was, it was absolutely crazy. I think the umbrella I had had a hole in it too, which didn't help, but yeah. uh, it was like a puddle. Like my feet were sort of like suction cups to the ground trying to walk through. And then at halftime, it just disappeared and it was gone. Yeah. And Michael, yeah, Michael
1: I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you, I know that last week, uh, week before McRight was McWronged when he was pulled back <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't blown. But this time, this week, he got a free karma try. I mean, he literally just looked at the ball yeah. and, it was, and he just scored. <laughs> it was yeah, like Brett right on, now is... That's his ball,
2: he could score. <laughs> There's the line. Yeah, I think it took everyone by surprise. The, really interesting. Um, the the pullback that wasn't a pullback or wasn't looked at. Um, the referees, as they do, reviewed you know the whole game and they reviewed that and they conceded and communicated to the Reds that it should have been reviewed. And it should have been a yellow card. But I think the Reds benefited from it not being a red card, a yellow card, because I think it would have been a penalty back on the 40 halfway.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: about there and. Instead and then you know, yes, you face a fourteen man team instead of fifteen, but you gotta execute a really good kick to get close to the line, you gotta execute a line out, you got to execute right. a maul, all that sort of thing. Getting a five meter scrum, much better platform. Red stuffed it, but a much better platform. So, you know, one of those sort of like catch twenty twos, I guess. I don't think having Rodney Iona off the field would have made that much more difference.
0: No, no. And it's a it's a yeah, it's a really good point, you make. I think they they, they definitely End up in the better situation, despite not getting the try, which seems like a funny thing to say. Look, um, look, th- there, there is, it, it is, it is a great weekend coming up. But from an Australian point of view, this is the game that we that we're all looking forward to very much. Um, Mick, th- thanks, thanks very much for coming on. It's been um been yeah. great to chat to you. It's been good to pump up the rivalry. It's been good to yeah. um, to, to to get the to get the jerseys on. Harry must think it's. Weird to watch from afar, but, uh, but but really really enjoyable chatting to you. Um, and we'll uh, we'll have to have you have you back on
2: before the years out. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I'm I pumped for this weekend. Like, I think this rivalry is a really healthy thing for Australian rugby. I hope people tune in. I hope they flock to SunCorp um, because it doesn't matter whether the rugby is um, slick or if it's a bit of a grind. It's always an incredible contest. So can't wait for Saturday. Lucky enough to be on the broadcast. so I'm really really excited. The roar.
0: Harry, Super Rugby Round 7 uh, is four games this weekend, plus a makeup game on Sunday. Fridays, Crusaders and Highlanders and the Indrua and the uh, the Waratahs. Saturdays, the Blues and Moana Pacifica again. Uh, and then the Reds and Brumbies on Saturday night. Uh, The Hurricanes and Chiefs uh, from Round 5 will play on Sunday. It's going to be a really, really interesting weekend. Uh, The first weekend of of buys, which come over the next uh, three weeks, as it turns out. Something I've been meaning to ask you, and I've even said that I want to ask you over the last however many episodes we've done, what are we up to, Episode 8? The United Rugby Championship, the South African teams, how are they going in the North this year? The last time I looked at the table... They were all sort of around mid-table, but when I look now, I can see that there is actually a little bit of movement. There's a couple of teams in and around 6th and 7th.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting to be a South African fan. You have to watch so many matches from so many places in the world. Um, so you have, you know, Peter toy and um, uh, Lacanio Arm playing in Japan. You're gonna, if you don't watch Acher or Fafteklerk, um, you're going to have to watch Sail Sharks. But the URC presents the Celtic teams coming down now or, mm. you know, our guys going up and actually they're playing head-to-head incumbents like Dwayne Vermeulen, Damien Delende as playing against the young players. So the developmental league almost is the, is the, the locals. And so in the URC, you had some very nice matchups uh, this, this past weekend. We had uh, number eight, one of the positions in South Africa that's a question mark because how long is Dwayne going to continue So the Stormers played Ulster. Ulster's a very good team. It came down to the wire. But you had uh, young Ifan Ruiz. Ruiz is a big, strapping guy. He's uh, the the best carrier in the URC. He he Mm -hmm. leads, I think, on effective carries, gain line, defenders defenders beaten. Big guy, 6'4", about 120 kilograms. And he's up against Dwayne Vermeulen. Perfect uh, test for the young man. And he actually smashed him back at a tackle. Uh, put Dwayne on his arse and then Dwayne fought back the rest of the second half when it came close. So that kind of matchup is imagining a, a Harry Wilson or a Will Harris, uh,
0: um,
1: but you know, but mean and malicious as shit. This is Russ, and uh, <laughs> and with a Francois Stein head of hair, and you know, he's battling uh, guys like Elroy Lowe or Oscar Visa, who I think is the, the kind of guy who sharpened his mind by narrowing it. And then we have Daimani, we have Buttalezi, we have a lot of you know guys, Augustus vying for the number eight. Who's going to be the next number eight? I'm not convinced it's Visa. So for me, watching Ruus was great to see him play uh, Thor and he was, he defends like he's possessed. So you watch these teams coming up, they're really motivated to play against their idols. Um, and yeah, Stormers are number six, I think, Sharks, number eight, Bulls, seven, but they have a yeah. game in hand. So actually, they're probably about four, five, six. Uh, and, and it looks like to me that by the end of the season, they'll all three be in the top. Um, top
0: five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so on the yeah on the weekend, as, as you say, Stormers beat Ulster. Um, the Lions, who have been struggling a little bit, uh, had a big win over Ospreys, and and Bulls gave um, gave the Dragons a bit of a touch up. Uh, the Sharks copped a touch up to Edinburgh though in a very yeah. wet Durban. Uh, from, yeah, that, from was, the uh, that was surprising.
1: That was surprising because the Sharks are loaded with box. That's the yeah. one domestic team that actually does have uh, all the box. Um, but we'll see. I think they'll come right. But yeah, you you really have to watch game. you have to watch games from so many different time zones and places to actually track the buck fortune. Good mm. the good news is like Ibn Etzabet was bad on the match um this weekend and too long with Ches and Colby. Uh so there's some signs of life in the box setup mm. and we're looking forward to uh to this to the, the winter. Yeah.
0: And they've been they're competitive up there in the the old the pro 14, let's what, what call it what it was. Um they are certainly competitive in there. And they're going to they're certainly going to be challenging. So yeah, we'll certainly we'll certainly touch base with that. You have to remind me more often to talk about South African teams. That's your that's your project from here on. Next week we have secured a very special guest, uh, one that Harry's been working on in the background, and one which we hope will become a bit of a regular on the pod. We can't wait for it. Uh, but that is episode eight of the Raw Rugby Podcast. Done. You can find both Harry and I on the socials, and don't forget to have your say and leave any questions on the Raw when the new episode page drops. Uh, and don't forget to check out another week of Super Rugby Tipping. We're after a reasonably straightforward round six. It looks like it's going to be a little bit more difficult for us in round seven. Uh, on the chart front, I can tell you that we're a bit of up and down in Hong Kong and Singapore. It looks like the Norwegians have gone off us, but we're back in the top 10 on the Australian Rugby Podcast, which is great news. The pod is on all the major platforms now, so like, follow, subscribe, do whatever you need to do to ensure the new episode drops your notifications as soon as it goes live. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week. Week on au, Australia's biggest sporting debate and the home of all your favourite rugby analysis and opinions. Thanks for listening. We're back in your ears next week. Come play with us, everyone.